let's give the Lord a great big hand clap, everybody. Clap your hands, all you people, and give God a shout of victory. Come on, give him a shout of victory. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn around and high-five somebody and say, I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's take them out to Genesis 18. Verses 9 down through verse 14. Then we'll go to Ephesians 1. And verse 15, and we'll read a few verses there. Amen. The Lord wants you to answer a question tonight concerning your situation, your circumstance, your habit, your pain, your problem. He wants you to answer a question. And you will read it in the text. I won't preach real long, but I've come to preach that God is the answer. God is your answer. Turn to somebody and say, God is my answer. And I'm going to get what God has for me tonight. Amen. Genesis 18 and 9, let me say thank you for last night. All the cards and it was just blew my mind. And I thank you for it. The only church that's done anything like that for us. And thank you for it. It meant the whole world. And uh, I'll never forget what you did. Thank you very much. Genesis 18 and 9, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and were stricken in age and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At that time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. Ephesians 1 and 15, Wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things, everybody say all things, under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all 
in all. I want to preach to you on this subject. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Would you take somebody by the hand, lay your Bibles down, and would you pray for them like you want them to pray for you? Lift their hands up, pray with a loud voice and authority. God, in your great name, in the name of Jesus, have your way tonight, Lord. Work the miraculous. Come on, squeeze that hand you're praying with. Let them know you're focused on them. Let them know you're focused on them. God's going to meet their needs. God's going to meet your needs. Come on. And if you believe God's going to answer your prayer, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Give him a great hand clap. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and you may be seated in the name of the Lord. We apologize for the sound. There was a power surge knocked some of the power out. So if you can't hear in the back, I'm going to scream real loud. Someone say, in Jesus' name. <laughs> it is interesting to notice that history and philosophy come together in the word of God. The Old Testament is descriptive, primarily being a historical record of a people selected by God to bring redemption to the world through Jesus Christ. The strength of Israel was not their own, but it was God's strength because he had chosen out of all of mankind on earth, Abraham being the first, to channel into the world his faith and power. God had to come. There was no circumstance or situation that would stop this from happening. God then gave many unconditional promises because no matter what, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, had to come. He would be the mighty God, Jesus, the everlasting Father, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, the Counselor, Jesus, the bright and the morning star, Jesus, the invisible made visible, Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus, the first and the last, Jesus, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, Jesus, he would be the Rose of Sharon, Jesus, the Lily of the Valley, Jesus, he had to come. No devil in hell would stop it. No human frailty could limit it. No circumstance would thwart it. He had to come and he was coming. There were promises that were unconditional. Jesus is coming. No matter the cost, he would come at all cost. Out of history then we glean the truth that the New Testament defines and gives to us theology. From the Old Testament, we glean the descriptive operation of God. But the New Testament, God outlines through the apostles that who he is, not always giving examples, but always defining what was described in the Old Testament. The Old Testament conceals, 
but the New Testament reveals. In the Old Testament, we read of many powerful characters from which we glean courage and faith. But the hero is never that character. Noah, what a great story of him enduring, taking eight souls into the ark, building the ark for hundreds of years. But Noah was not the hero. Abraham, living for God, being faithful. Amen, wonderful stories, but he was never the hero. God was the hero. Moses leading Israel out of Egypt. Two and a half million of them across the desert, across the Red Sea, wandering through the wilderness. As great a job of leading as he did, he was not the hero. God was the hero. Joseph and all that he did. Amen. It was wonderful, but he was not the hero. David killed his bear and his lion and his giant, but he was not the hero. God was the hero. You are here tonight, but we're not the hero. God is the hero. He woke you up this morning and he kept you through the day. The hero and the star throughout the Old Testament is God. He is always the center of attraction, the magnetic force, and the drawing card. Tell somebody next to you, God's drawing me. Amen. Uh, Tell somebody, I'm not here for you, but I'm here for the hero. Tell them the hero is God. Come on, tell somebody. I mean, look at them and tell them like you mean it. Tell them the hero is God. We're really trying to find out about God. How does God work in human history? How does God move in the situations and circumstances of mankind? To do this, the Bible becomes Christocentric or centered on Christ because Jesus Christ is both God and man and therefore he is the revelation of how God is going to move in the affairs of the human family. It's God in our business through Jesus Christ. It is important then to recognize that God deals oftentimes with situations that seem impossible to fix or mend. That's why to understand what he does in the Bible, we must pray because we can't deal with the Bible and understand it without the Spirit of God leading us through it to grasp what he's doing. We need him to help our finite minds to comprehend the infinite, mighty work of God's Spirit. Wherever God is operating, there must be prayer to understand what he's doing. Some people feel they are too evil or too wicked to understand what God is doing. And others feel that they're so high and holy that they already know it all. But if God doesn't increase our capacity to receive, we will never understand. So with Abraham and Sarah, God had to challenge them because what he was about to do was beyond their ability to conceive because it was not going to be abnormal what he would do It would be supernatural. Tell somebody around you what God's about to do is supernatural. Come on, tell somebody what God's about to do is supernatural. 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 I got cold chills all over me right now. 
It's supernatural. We see the philosophy and theology of Ephesians. He prays because what he's telling them is not easily swallowed. He opens outside the universe saying we were chosen in him before the foundation of the earth. He opens before time, before he catapulted the universe into existence. He chose us before there was a star, before there was a galaxy, before there were multiple galaxies in our universe. He had you in mind. Oh, I don't have season, folks, saying amen. I want you to get a hold of that before he ever had in mind one star or one moon or one sun or the Milky Way or any other universe. He had you in mind. Amen. You may have come in here feeling empty. You may have come in here feeling lonely. You may feel like the world's caving in on you, but God's had you on his mind all the time. Touch somebody and tell them God's been thinking about me. Amen. He's been thinking about me. When we say chose, we pick like the shopping for groceries. But God being omnipotent and omniscient, there has never been a time that God doesn't have all knowledge about all things and all information. I'm going to say that again. There's never been a time that God doesn't have all knowledge about all things and about all information. God knows everything about you. He knows everything about your family. He knows everything that's connected to your family. He knows what's happened. He knows what happened today. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. God knows all things. So the question is, when did God choose? If he always knew, it's just a question of power. We are told then that knowledge is power. Since God is omnipotent, knows all things, and is all powerful, then he must have all knowledge to have all power. And if he has all power and knowledge is power, then he has to have all knowledge to have all power. There's never been a time in his existence that God didn't know we would be here. So from wherever he is coming and from uh, coming from, he has had all information about you and what you're going through. Turn to somebody and say, God knows everything about you. So when Sarah laughed, it was already done because she was just getting an announcement about what God and his action was about to do in time, which was already done in eternity. Tell somebody next to you what God's gonna do in my life. He's already done it. It's just coming into time. There's somebody in here going to get a miracle. You've been coming to church and coming to church and you've been wondering when's it going to happen. It's already happened in the eternal. We've just got to open it up in time so he can get it in here. Turn to somebody and say, let it be. We often get worried and nervous and perturbed about what's going on in our situation, in our circumstance. We're a part-time, but God is eternal. God knows our end from our beginnings, and therefore he knows our trouble before we know it. And the only question then is, is there anything too hard for God? Would you look at somebody and ask them, is there anything too hard for God? So since he knows all things at all times and he knows before we know, 
We just don't have the answer to the question. Is there anything too hard for God? Moses coming to the Red Sea, water in front, mountains all around, Pharaoh's army behind. Moses, I knew you would be here. Look what's in your hand. It's my staff, Lord. Stretch it out. All Moses had to do in that moment between the announcement and him stretching the staff out was answer the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? There was no Bible, there was no history, no, no, no example in history where anybody had ever stretched forth their rod. Anything had happened. It was going to be a first time miracle. It had never happened before. Moses just had to answer the question to himself. Is this too hard for God? Pharaoh's army's behind me. I've got two and a half million Jews running for their life. The Red Sea's in front of me. Mountains on both sides. And he said to put this stick over the water. I don't know how long he waited. But when he stuck that stick out the wind began to blow. Water began to part. Now someone think it may have been a little path open about as wide as this here, but it hit me a few months ago. It had to be wide enough to get 2.5 million people across the water on dry ground before Pharaoh's army caught them because when they started moving, the cloud lifted behind them and Pharaoh's army started after them. I'm telling you, when God opened that Red Sea, it was a massive hole. Hey Amen. It, was, it wasn't just a little old sliver of a gap. Hey Amen. There was a massive gap and those two and a half million darted across the Red Sea. Come on, somebody. I want to ask you a question. If God can open the Red Sea, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? When the odds are stacked against you and it looks like there's no way out, God is looking to himself and the question simply is, is there anything too hard for God? Now I'm nearing a close right now and I want you to ask yourself, is there anything too hard for God? You're here and you're bound with drugs. You've got habits. You need to ask yourself, is this habit too hard for God? You've got a financial problem. You've got to ask yourself, is anything too hard for God? You've got pain in your body. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, it could be gone in just a moment. But you've got to answer the question that blocks your faith. Is anything too hard for God? It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You have to answer the question. Is anything too hard for God? Would you say that out loud with me? Is anything too hard for God? So in the text, the writer is opening to us the fact that there must be prayer to understand in the wisdom and knowledge of him and the exceeding greatness of his glory. I've came to tell someone that age doesn't matter. The deadness of your womb doesn't matter. I've come to tell somebody it's not too late. I want to tell somebody else it's not over yet. God is bringing your future to pass. 
Come on, tell somebody, God is bringing my future to pass. I want to remind somebody, don't laugh because God's about to bring Italamashiach their promise to pass. Don't laugh now because what God has said would always be is about to happen for somebody. Touch three people and say, don't laugh. There is a limit to your suffering, ma'am. There's an end to your trouble, sir. When God says that's enough to the devil, you can't go any further than that. It's over. There's nothing too hard for God. Gideon, you may be facing limitless army of Midianites, but is there anything too hard for God? Jehoshaphat, you may be surrounded on all sides, but if you'll praise me, and the only thing stopping your praise, Jehoshaphat, is you've got to answer the question, is there anything too hard for God? The walls of Jericho may be high and thick, but is there anything too hard for God? David, you may have to face the bear, the lion, and the giant. All you've got to answer in your mind, is there anything too hard for God? Daniel, you may have just landed in a lion's den, but is there anything too hard for God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you may be bound in, in a burning fiery furnace, but all you've got to answer, is there anything too hard for God? It's all just a question of power. Does God have the power? David declared, power belongeth to God. I said, David said, power belongeth to God. You've got a question in your life. You're wondering if God can do it. I want to tell you the word of God. David said, power belongs to God. Nothing shall be impossible. So Gideon, go ahead with your 300 men. Jehoshaphat, lead your army in praise and the enemy will be defeated before you even get to the battlefield. Israel, go ahead and shout the walls of Jericho down. They'll fall flat and you can go in and spoil them. David, defeat your bear, your lion, with your bare hands, throw your walk and kill your giant. Pray in the face of your lions, Daniel. God's gonna shut their mouths. Let the wicked king know there are three Hebrew boys who are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, but if not, we will deliver us from your hands. Laugh if you want to, but it's all just a question of power. Is there anything too hard for God? I believe the answer is a resounding no. The Savior is coming. Abraham, God has chosen you, so just get ready. Your age doesn't matter. The deadness of Sarah's womb doesn't matter. You being as good as dead doesn't matter because God has the power, and he's going to do what only he can do. So all I've got to do is say, God, send your power. And Israel that we read about right now, that our world is in total upheaval over, as our president and our government right now absolutely defend and stand for the rights of Israel. It didn't start out that way. It started out with an old man and an old lady. She didn't have a womb that was alive to bear seed. And Abe was as good as dead. But God, 
took a woman that couldn't bear seed and took Abram and his body was as good as dead to produce a seed to produce an Isaac that would produce a Jacob and an Esau and then Jacob would get the you know the blessing the story he'd get the double portion and then Jacob would have 12 sons watch Abraham had one son Jacob had two Isaac had two and Jacob had 12 sons. Do you see the math going? 12 sons become 144. In 400 years of persecution, they went from 144 when they went into Egyptian bondage to 2.5 million. You do the math. From 144 Jews to 400 years and it came out 2.5 million Jews. all over the world God has blessed them and I'm telling you if he did that for his earthly seed he will also do it for his heavenly seed Israel is the sands of the sea but the church is the stars of the heaven they are the offspring of Abraham limitless people with an incalculable number yes God has the power it's limitless efficiency stand with me today The word power comes out in five words. One is dunamis. It means natural ability. What can be done. Power that emits from God. Everywhere you go there's power. He moves in power. He talks in power. Then the next word is exousia. Which is authority. Jurisdiction. The rule of government. Divine oversight. Then there's energia, which is working power. Then there's another word for power that means manifested strength. Power God hasn't used yet. Power we haven't seen yet. Hear me, Zanesville. There is power coming to this city, to these churches, that you haven't seen yet. There's power coming to this city, to this church, to the churches of Anchor, amen, that you haven't seen yet. You're about to see miracles you've never seen. You're about to see provision you've never seen. You're about to see the miraculous that you've never seen. The last word for power is one that is resurrection power. It's power to bring you out. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now pulling on you. It's pulling on you right now. Grab somebody's hand next to you. Why is it pulling on me? Because he's raising you out of depression. He's raising you out of oppression. He wants to raise you out of worldliness and addiction. He wants to raise you out of drugs and alcohol and pornography. He wants to raise you up out of failure. He wants to raise you out of loneliness. He wants to raise you out of false doctrine. He wants to raise you out of sin. He wants to raise you out of bondage. He wants to raise you out of the clutches of your enemy. He wants to raise you out of defeatism. He wants to raise you out of your hell. He's a God of power. He's Holy Ghost power. Life-changing power. Future-altering power, destiny-defining power, life-giving power, rapture-ready power, soul-saving power, miracle-working power. The answer is yes, God's got the power, and there's nothing too hard for God. On this Monday night, 
I want to ask you, whatever your need is, I want you to come out of your seat and out of your pew, out of your aisle. I want you to come to this altar with your hands raised saying nothing's too hard. Nothing's too hard. Come on, as close as you can right here to the middle. Come on, bring somebody with you. Tell them nothing's too hard. Come on, preachers, help me in the altar. Come in close. Come in close. Come in close. Come on. Somebody say nothing's too hard. Nothing's too hard. Nothing's too hard for your job. Nothing's too hard for your situation. Nothing's too hard monetarily. There's no situation too hard for our God. Come on, lift your hands now. Begin to call on the Lord. Come on, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's where the deliverance starts. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He wants to baptize you in his name so he can remove the sins. God's looking for the opportunity that you're in. Whatever it is right now, would you lift your hands? Come on, preachers, help me pray. Amen, lift your hands and say, God, I believe you. I believe your word. Come on, elder, find somebody to pray with. Find somebody to pray with. There's nothing too hard for God. Believe his word. Believe his word. Believe his word. And no one Come on, worship him. Come on, worship him, saints. Worshiping visitor, that's the Holy Ghost coming. That's the Holy Ghost coming. That's it, sir. That's it, ma'am. He can do it. He can forgive you of your sins. He will do it. Ask him. He'll forgive if you ask him. Who can stand? Who can stand against the Lord? No one can. Come on, pray. Pray. Reach for him. Come on, preachers. Come on, young ministers. Find somebody to pray with. Find somebody to pray with. Lift your hands, ma'am. Lift your hands. It's not too hard. It's not too hard for God. Oh, 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 oh,